with them on, but now I can't see the people without them, so it's fine, whatever. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Thank you guys for praying for me. Like, I just really felt the Lord in it, and I felt his peace, and um, it's just, I mean, it's kind of hard to move on from worship, too. I was over there, like, bawling, and my kids were calling me extra, like, just something about the love of the Lord, it just overcomes me. <laughs> I remember when we first decided that we were going to follow Jesus and we go to church and um, worship was new to us and I didn't really enjoy it, <laughs> mostly because I didn't know what was going on. And so, you know, over time, obviously it's grown on me. It's probably one of my most favorite things. But there's just something about being in his presence and singing praises to him and his promises over you and just hearing it flow. And it's just so beautiful. Um, oh, man, God is so good. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Amanda. Um, and this is my husband, JD, who, who's eating Emma's snacks. <laughs> We've been married for almost 18 years. We have five very beautiful children. Abby's 17, Autumn's 15. Brody will be 12 this week. Blake is 10, and Emma is 6. <laughs> We've been at Lyric House since the very beginning. Um, before this building was even thought of to be a church, even after it was purchased by Jason and Tiffany. Um, we've got to just grow in this joy of watching the church grow and watching new believers come and watching families grow and just walk in what the Lord's called you guys to do. And it's just so beautiful. Um, five years ago, if you would have told myself or my husband that we would be attending church or even a part of a church, we would probably think you're crazy. Um, and even if we would have believed you, we would have been like, okay, we're the people in the back row that come twice a year, and that's us being a part of a church, but I never could have imagined that the Lord would call us. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> oh, man, that the Lord would call us and that we would, we would be preaching the gospel to other people, let alone standing in front of a room full of people preaching the gospel. Um... I'm not one who likes to be in front of people with a microphone and talking, so I'm nervous. And But I just remember I'm a tree by, planted by the waters, so I'm firm, and my branches might blow a little bit, and I might shake, but it's okay. I'm still planted by the waters. <laughs> my roots are deep. Oh, man. But it's just so good. Like, this is what God does. He takes somebody who was completely broken, who didn't even know him, who was hopeless in the world, and he he makes me into what he's called me to be, and it's all him. Um, you know, he's continuing every day. He's transforming us into what he's called us to be, and it's the miracle of growth. We talked Wednesday night in our small group. The Upper Room Bible Study meets Wednesdays at 6.30 right here. Um, <laughs> but we talked about this miracle of growth, and you know, the Lord has made us, he created us to grow, um, and he created us to love to watch growth. So I think of my children, you know, I watched them go from these little babies who were totally helpless, who depended 100% on somebody else to take care of them, into toddlers, and now they're growing into young children and preteens and teens, and I have one who's about to be an adult. 
and it's just a miracle to watch them grow. Um, (laughs) Not only do we get to watch them grow physically, but we get to watch them grow emotionally and grow into their personalities. I think Abby's going to (laughs) cry. She's extra. Um, But also just to watch our children grow spiritually. And so um, I remember a little over four years ago when we came home, from this fantastic event where JD and I were like, yep, this is it, we're following Jesus. And we told our kids, it was a Friday night, so we told our kids, maybe that night, maybe the next morning, that we were gonna start going to church. And um, there was a lot of questions. (laughs) There was tears. (laughs) Um, One of the questions I remember my kids asking is, what is church? And I was like, well, it's this building where you go and you learn about the Lord. Oh, and they were okay with it, and some of them weren't, but we took them because if we were going to do this thing, we were going to do it as a family, and we were going to do it together. Um, We didn't really know what to expect. We just knew that Jesus was real and that we were going to follow him, whatever it meant. And um, (laughs) JD and I, we were baptized four years ago in February, and our friends and our siblings and my parents... um, and just everybody got to watch firsthand us, you know, say it was probably the first time that we even publicly said to anybody outside of the people we were in church with that we're following Jesus. And so they got to watch it. And then they got to watch the transformation that takes takes place over time. Oh. The Bible tells us that we're a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we didn't understand what was happening. But as we, over time, as we started to get in our word, we started understanding that this, this transformation, this new creation, this was God's design for our lives from the very beginning. Um, we spent time in our word And that word is a seed, and over time that seed started to grow roots, and it started to grow fruit. And other people started to notice this transformation. Those people that we never told about, that knew we were baptized, started to see our lives as we followed Jesus. And it's really important to know that the seed, it was the word of God. And the fruits that we were bearing from that seed, those weren't our fruits, those are his fruits. Because the fruit comes from the seed. We were reaping all the benefits of it. Everybody around us was reaping the benefits of peace and love and joy. But those weren't our fruits. Those are his fruits. And it comes from his incorruptible word. In John 15, 4, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. And he goes on to say, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's speaking to his disciples and to his followers. We can't bear fruit on our own. Jesus also said, I'm the true vine and his father is the vine dresser. And we're the branches that abide in him bearing his fruit. And so those that don't bear fruit, the vine dresser comes and he takes them out. And for JD and I, this was activities in our lives. It was things that we were doing and And God just took them away from us. Um, It was hard, to be honest. Like, it was hard because that's all we had known. But it was also easy because he's a good father and he's kind and he's gentle and he doesn't just come and rip it up. He prunes it. And not only does he prune it to take away what doesn't belong, but he prunes 
that which bears fruit so it can bear more fruit for his kingdom. How, and so all this is happening in our lives and we started to watch this fruit fall to our children. And within a year of us coming to know the Lord, My girls gave their lives to Christ and they were baptized and then our boys followed and then Emma just recently. And it's just so beautiful to watch this miracle of growth. And it doesn't, it doesn't look exactly like I picture it. Like I picture that I want these kids that are fiery for Jesus, that are going around everywhere. Jesus this, Jesus that, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But they have to make their own walk. And I trust in the Lord, and I know, and I see his fruit in them. I have children who are spending time in their Bible. They're taking his seed, and they're planting it, and they will see fruit from it. For the first time in our lives, we were experiencing joy, and this joy wasn't something that was based on our circumstances as it was before. You know, it's not like we had never experienced joy before. We've experienced joy in our life, but this is the first time that we experienced joy that wasn't based on what was happening in our lives. It was his joy. And peace, we had peace that we had never experienced, patience, kindness, love, joy, all of it. We were experiencing it in all areas of our lives. We were experiencing it with our children, in our work. Well, in JD's work, my work was at home, but I was experiencing it there too. <laughs> and families, and then in our marriage. And it makes sense that we were experiencing this because we made the decision to put God first. And I'm not saying that we get it right all the time. And I'm not trying to say, look at us, we put God first, because the truth is, it's my heart. My heart wants to always put him first, but sometimes I don't. And it's fine because he's gracious and he's merciful. Just like JD said, like his love endures forever. And that with that said, his love endures forever. His mercies are new every morning. So we don't have to worry about what happened last night. We don't have to worry about what happened yesterday. His mercy is new every morning and it's for you. And he does it and he works it all out for the good for his glory. It's to point people to him. It's not to point people to us. And, you know, we went through this time and we still had problems. We still had trials. We probably went through some of the most trying times of our lives after we came to know the Lord, which is crazy. (laughs) Oh, but one thing we had was we had Jesus and we had peace and we had joy through it all. And Matthew, nope, John 16, 33, Jesus says in him, we have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. And so as we became to know the Lord and we started to learn his character and we started to learn, you know, just who this God was that we had decided to follow Um, we started to become doers of the word because that's what the Bible tells us to do. You can't just be hearers of it, but you have to be doers of the word too. And so what this meant to us was that we had to figure out what his word was. If we're going to be doers of his word, we have to know his word. And um, it was kind of like we were babies 
but we were adults. So we were reborn, and the Bible talks about being born again. And so for the first time in our lives, we had to figure out how to get through these trials that came, or even just the daily things we did in our life. But we had to figure out how to do it as a Christian. And so that's where getting into his word came and being a doer of it. Um, So as things would start to happen you know, in life or just in general, we would go to his word to try to find the answer. And I can tell you that there's not a time I've ever gone to his word and not found the answer for something. Right. Because that's what it's for. (laughs) Oh, and so the very first area of my life, if you know me, you know this, um, that I, I felt that I needed the most help was depression. I was depressed. Um, I contemplated suicide, and so I went to his word because I was going to overcome this depression. And as I went through scripture and I was looking for scripture, I never once found scripture that told me how to live with depression. All I could find was scripture that told me how to live with joy and how to live with peace and how to not be anxious and again to rejoice. Scripture that talked about being, you know, being in prayer acknowledging the Lord and being thankful. And I realized that I have access to all these things. There was no scripture about how to live with depression because the Lord didn't create me to live with depression. He didn't want me to live with it. He wanted me to overcome it. And it wasn't me that overcame it. He empowered me to overcome depression. And through the strength that Jesus gave me and through his word that showed me that I had peace and I had joy, I overcame depression. The more I searched through scripture, the more things started to transform in my life. And and once you get into the words, you'll see that's what it does. It it takes, it can take any, like a mustard seed. You guys, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And so it started to plant and it started to become something. And then those close to me, I got to share this transformation that was happening through the testimony of what the Lord did. And it wasn't my testimony. It wasn't look what I did. It was look what Jesus did because that's who he is and this is what he does. Oh, he took this hopeless person, this broken woman. I'd given up on myself. I'd given up on everybody. And I got, I had hope in him. And then I had faith in his promises. I got to like sit in his goodness and understand who he's created me to be. Oh, the next area of our life that I really felt like we needed to work on through scripture was our marriage. And um, I had this huge, huge testimony. I was going to kill myself the day I met the Lord. So for me, I was like all in, like all in. I mean, it wasn't just a slow train. It was that minute, that instance. I was like, nope, this is it. We have to do this. And I might have pushed my husband a little bit more, even though he was already there. He's just not as fiery as I am. (laughs) And not in a bad way. Like I'm, I'm more outgoing. I tend to talk a lot more than JD does. So you know, I was always about it. And even though he was in his heart, he wasn't as much with his mouth as I was. <laughs> and so I started praying for my husband and I started digging into scripture about what marriage should be. What does a Christian wife look like? What does a Christian family look like? And, oh man, I wanted to know what my role was as a Christian. 
And so the first thing that I had to do was I had to relearn love. Now, it seems really silly because I was 37, almost 38 years old, and I had to learn what love was. Because although I said I loved my husband, and I did, I loved him a lot, and I still do, there were times I loved him a little less, and times I loved him a little more. Maybe even times I hated him. <laughs> and, and he hated me too, guys. Um, so we spent time. We'd spend time in scripture. I'd spend time on my own looking up like what a good wife looks like. And I'd write down this scripture so I could just speak it over myself and I could pray it. And I'd pray for my husband. And I'd pray that God would show him what a good husband is. And that together we could learn how to form a Christian marriage. <laughs> and what's so awesome is... I would sit in the kitchen um, for hours in my Bible, reading my Bible, just trying to figure out God's word, trying to figure out what this stuff was. And I would use like the index in the back to look up verses about marriage. And sometimes I'd Google like verses about marriage and then I'd go look through my Bible to find them. And, um, <laughs> and then I'd pray for my husband. And one day he comes home and really it was every day, but he'd come home from work and we'd both sit at the kitchen counter together and we'd open our Bibles and it would be like, hey, did you see this part? Or did you see this part? And before I knew it, both of us were seeking out scripture about marriage without either one of us saying that's what we wanted to study because that's who God is and he knew that's what we needed. And so one of the scriptures that, that really um, has spoke to us in our marriage is Ecclesiastes 4.12. And it says that a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. And this is speaking of your hus the husband, the wife, and God at the center of it. But you notice this verse doesn't say that it can't be torn apart, that it can't be. It says that it's not quickly torn apart. And if we keep putting God at the center of it, it will not quickly be torn apart. Does that mean that we still don't have things that we have to work on? No. I mean, we absolutely do. But we just know that if we put God in his place at the center of our marriage, at the head, if we put him above all else, then our marriage is going to be strong. I remember when we, almost 18 years ago when we got married, we, uh, we went to marriage counseling and we did things backwards. So we went to marriage counseling after we were married, but it was kind of a prerequisite of the guy actually marrying us. <laughs> Long story. But I remember one thing that really stood out that this, uh, this guy told us was that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And that was 18 years ago. I don't know what it is today. Um, could be more, could be less. I mean, if everybody would start to put God at the center of it, I think that number would be really low. <laughs> that was something JD said. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Matthew 19, 6, Jesus said, So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. We are stronger together when we start to realize that we're one with our spouse. And what's really cool is in the Bible, Jesus talks about how we're one with him and one with the Father. And so if J.D. and I are one and we're one with him and we're one with the Father, we're all one together. And that's God's plan. That's his design. That's how you build a strong marriage is you put him, him at the top. Oh, man. The other part that we spent a lot of time in um, and our marriage was Ecclesiastes, or not Ecclesiastes, uh, Ephesians. And so I'm going to read this. 
nervous. Look at this water is shaking because it's in my hand. <laughs> okay. You want to come read it for me, babe? Oh. <laughs> so Ephesians 5, starting at verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present to her himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Sorry, my nose keeps running. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And there's so much in there. And there's so much that we didn't understand when we first started reading it. What does it mean to be submissive to your husband? You know, I think that some people, especially the world, really have that backwards. And they've really perverted that. And they've really twisted it. The one thing we started to notice was this wasn't, uh, maybe you should be submissive to your husband or possibly, it was a command. It was a key that teaches us how to live our lives. And God's so good that he didn't make us do it alone. He didn't make us try to follow this word alone. He's given his Holy Spirit, the very spirit of him that enables us and empowers us to live his word. The Holy Spirit enables husbands to love their wives as Christ does the church, and it enables wives to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord. Marriage should provide a picture of the ultimate and eternal love between Christ and the church. We should be kind and forgiving to one another. We should nourish and cherish just as the Lord does the church. Women. We should see this and we should respect our husbands as the head of our household, the God-ordained leader of the family as unto the Lord. And I'm going to tell you that part was really hard for me because I was a control freak. And before the Lord changed me into this new creation, I was all about myself and I was all about what I wanted and what I wanted to do and what I needed. And I never even really considered to put him at the head of the household. It was always about me and what I wanted. And so this was hard, but God enabled me to do it. And it took a lot of time. And there's still times that I'm learning it. 
The husband's love awakens, and in turn, the wife responds in submission, and her respect and appreciation draws her husband to leadership, as is God's design for our marriage. There were so many other verses that we spent time going through that really spoke to us, and I'm not going to share them all with you, because if, if your marriage is what you're looking to strengthen and you want to know what God says about your marriage, get out your Bible, sit down with your spouse, and study it together. And your spouse is going to get revelation in this word that I don't have, or that you don't have. Um, JD would read this and it would speak something completely different to him than it did to me. And then we get to talk about it together. And it was just so beautiful to see his perspective. And I'm sure for him, it was beautiful to see my perspective. And this is what strengthened us. This is what gave us a foundation to grow on. His word, Jesus, was our foundation. And then we just go from there and we grow every day. And sometimes we don't do so good at it. Sometimes there's things that God's got to prune out of us, but he only does it because he wants us to bear more fruit for his kingdom. And so then we get through, you know, depression that's gone. I don't have depression. I have joy and I have peace and I'm not anxious because the Lord says I'm not. And um, the next area that we were like, okay, we've got, we've got, We've got this, and now I feel like our marriage is finally moving in the direction that it was always designed to move in. What are we going to do with our kids? How are we going to parent our children? And so I was like, let's go to the Bible. Let's see what the Bible says. Oh, man. And so this one really got me because when I was like, how are we going to parent our children? Let's go to the Word and see what the Word says. What I wanted to happen was me to get into my Word and it teach my children how to be better children. (laughs) Not that they're not. They're fantastic kids. Um, But what happened was I started to learn that God's a good father. He's the creator of all things. And so if we put him first, if we seek him, like Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If we seek him in our parenting, he's going to teach us how to do this. He's going to transform us into the parents that he created us to be. He chose us to be parents over these children. He gave us these children. He created these children. He knew them before he formed them. He knew them before I knew them. He knew them before they were inside of me. Oh, and so obviously he knows how to parent them best, right? (laughs) Well, they were in him for... (laughs) Stop. my bad. Oh, goodness. Oh, you can. Do we still make mistakes? Absolutely. We are far from perfect parents. Um, This is probably the area of our life that I don't think we're ever going to stop learning in. Uh, Actually, there's not an area that we'll never stop learning in, but this one is going to be one of the most important areas for us to never stop learning because our children and our home is the first ministry that God has called us to. And so I started seeking in this word, and, you know, um, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And that was a verse that I really took to heart, and so in everything I did, I was like, acknowledge him, he's going to direct my paths, trust in the Lord. And so what started happening was, my kids didn't change. 
I changed. My heart changed. The Lord started to change my heart as a mother and started to change JD's heart as a father. And we were parenting in this new way with love and kindness, forgiveness. And the forgiveness didn't just go one way because I had to seek forgiveness from my children for some of the things I did. Before I knew the Lord, I was a mom who yelled. And sometimes I yelled just to be heard because we have five kids and nobody ever listens. Um, Other times I yelled and I said some really hurtful things that people shouldn't say to their children. But after I started following and seeking the Lord, I told you he changed me. He changed my heart. He didn't change them, but my patience grew. He didn't change them, but I was a kinder person. He didn't change them, but I was gentler. I started to have this joy in motherhood that I never experienced. And it's not like I didn't love being a mom because I did before I knew the Lord, but it was a new joy. It was this new beautiful thing that God has given me and entrusted me to lead and to guide. And so I got to find joy in that. And all of that came because I was in his word. And what started to happen is once my parenting style, once, once we started to get a tiny little grasp on how to be Christian parents, then our children started to change. Oh, man. <laughs> They're sometimes still very frustrating. Love you guys. They sometimes still do stupid things. They're kids. They're still growing and they're still learning, but so are we. But with God at the center of the marriage and now acknowledging him and in our parenting, everything started to grow. And when we continue in our faith and we stand firm and we don't give up, everybody's going to continue to grow. You're going to continue to grow in your walk with the Lord. Your faith is going to grow. Another thing we started to notice as parents is that Our children look to us, and they look at everything we do, everything we say, the way we act, the choices that we make. And it makes sense because, especially the younger ones, I mean, now my girls are getting a little bit older, and I don't think that they will someday. I don't know that they look up to us the way that, you know, our five-year-old, six-year-old does. And it was important for us to know the Lord and to pursue the Lord because that's what we wanted for our children. And it wasn't about just attending church. It wasn't about just being in the word and reading our Bible, but it was about doing the word, being doers of the word. Because if all we did was say that God was good and all we did was read our Bible, but then we were still these same parents who yelled mean things to our children, What does that leave them to think of the Lord? And so for us, it was very important to be doers. We walked in faith. And what that meant for us, because we didn't know, was that we're going to believe it and we're going to see it. And when it happens, we're going to tell our children about it because we want him to know the testimony of the Lord. And just this morning that happened, we were were running late. we woke up a little bit later than we planned to, and then we had to cook a bunch of bacon. <laughs> and so uh, we're in there, and we're all getting ready, and it's kind of a rush. And Emma's the last one we get ready because she's the hardest. <laughs> and, and yesterday when she went out to play, she found this ladybug in the neighbor's yard. And I really don't know if it's a ladybug. I think it's one of those Japanese beetle things. But she said, can I keep it? And I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> 
it's in her hand right now. <laughs> what? There's just one of them, and it's probably going to die before too long. She's carrying it. Okay, she's carrying it around in, like, a plastic Easter egg, and it's got a few blades of grass in it. But this morning when we're getting ready and everybody's ready to go but Emma, and I'm like, Emma, put your clothes on. She's crying hysterically because she lost this ladybug and we could not find it anywhere. And I was like, I said, it's okay, Emma. After church, I'll help you find a new one. We'll find a new one. It'll be fine. And she comes over to me with tears in her eyes and she says, but mommy, can't you just ask God where it's at? (laughs) I was like, okay, we're late. But we're going to do this. So I made everybody stop what they were doing, right, guys? I said, we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God where this ladybug is. <laughs> oh, And so we did. We did. We prayed. We asked God where the ladybug was. And then some people started looking around. We didn't find it right away. Um, so I was like, Emma, come over here. i got to brush your hair. We prayed. God said, you know, we asked God. He's going to do it. And we're, I'm brushing her hair. And I heard him say couch. And I stuck my hand down behind me in the corner of the couch. And I pulled up this egg that this ladybug's in. <laughs> and it's still alive, <laughs> which is a shock. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking the dog got a hold of it, thinking the egg was a toy, and somehow it ended up in the couch, but I don't know. Um, but anyway, it's still alive, and so I was like, look, Emma, I told you, God does answer our prayers. He showed me where this, this ladybug was, and now we have it, and now we can get our hair brushed and put our shoes on and go. Oh. But you have to share those things. No matter how big, no matter how small it is, you have to share these things with your children. You have to show them what the Lord is doing in your life because that's going to encourage them. The word of your testimony is going to build their faith. And so, you know, in James, James says, faith without works is dead. And this is just an example of that. Um, you know, it's not enough just to say, I have faith. It's not enough just to speak it, but you have to do it. And so when you have faith and your faith, you're doing things through faith, you're walking in that faith, then you're where you're supposed to be. But if you just say you have faith, but you're not ever doing anything to work that faith, and we have to consider, is that faith really that strong or is that just something you say? So your kids, they're watching you. They're watching this walk of faith that you're going through, and especially our children, because most of them, Abby was 11, 12 years old, right? No, you were like 13. Abby was like 13 years old when we came to know the Lord. So most of her life, she's known who we were without Jesus. But now that we have Jesus, she gets to watch us. And she's watching our walk, and she's learning from it, whether it's good or it's bad. Um, we have to pray for our children and not just pray for your children, but you have to pray with your children. And remember, they're watching you. And so they're learning how to pray based on how you pray. And one thing I noticed is, especially in Emma, and she was just the youngest. So it seems that everything's like she doesn't know any other way. She was 18 months old. She doesn't remember the way it was before Jesus. And so when I pray or when I hear her pray, it's really cute because she prays just like her mommy and she says the same words that I do and she does the same things I do because she's watching us and that's how she's learning to pray and she's going to grow her own prayer life and it's my dream that her prayer life far, far, far exceeds what mine is. You know, 
um, coming to the Lord with children, we get to we get to watch them grow up in it. Um, I get to tell them things that I learn when I read my Bible, and they get to tell me things that they learn when they read their Bible. And it's just always my dream that they started younger than I did, so their walk with the Lord is going to exceed what our walk with the Lord is, and that's really all we want. Um, Someday my children are going to be standing up here teaching me these things. Yeah, yeah, what he said. (laughs) So if you have children and you're a Christian, your life and what you do is a discipleship to them. And so they're watching you. They're watching what you do. And like I said earlier, our first ministry is our home. That's the most important place for us to minister to. Like, we have these children to minister to for us. That's the most important place is in our home first because we have to pour into our children who the Lord is before we can go pour into the rest of the world who the Lord is. And, you know, sometimes it's harder, especially with my kids, because they knew 13 years of the old Amanda. They knew 13 years of the Amanda who didn't know Jesus, and they've only known a few years of the Amanda who does. So I hope I'm a better Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. We must consider God in raising our children, and we must stand firm in our faith. So I talked a lot today. I talked a lot about families. I talked a lot about husbands. I talked a lot about wives. And maybe there's some people here who who you don't have children yet. Um, or maybe you just don't want to have children, and that's fine too. Um, but if it's something that you're pursuing, start spending time in the Word and learning how to be a parent before that child comes because it's going to help you. If you're not married yet, um, start spending time in the Word. What does... What does a spouse look like? What does a wife look like? What does a husband look like? Because that's going to help you in your relationship. Sorry, I lost my place. in the couch. (laughs) Well, see, you have to ask, and then if you don't get an answer right away, then you have to say, it's okay, because God's going to tell me, and then go on, and that's what happened. I said, it's okay, God's going to tell me, let's brush your hair, and as soon as I started brushing her hair, I heard couch, and I just stuck my hand back, and like, sure enough, pulled up this ladybug and an egg. (laughs) Oh, man. So some of the verses I shared, they were very, they were very specific to families. Um, they're very specific to parenting, but some of the verses I shared are specific to your walk with God. Be doers of the word. That's pretty, pretty specific, but you have to know his word. Um, Matthew 6.33, where it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I think that's a verse that you could take and you could probably live your whole life doing just that one thing and you're going to see fruit from it. There's more, but you're going to see fruit from it because it's a promise that if you seek him first and you seek his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. The whole Bible, all of it, it's very important. This whole Bible is God speaking directly to you through his word. 
He's teaching you, he's guiding you in everything you do. And like I said earlier, there's not a time that I have needed to know something in my life and I needed to know what God says about it that I haven't found it in scripture. And that might seem kind of weird because there's some really weird things that happen that you would think, well, there's nothing in scripture for that, but there is. Scripture's encouraging. It's, it's his love, it's his word, it's pouring into your hearts. So as you start to dig and you start to seek for his, seek his word and you start to seek him and you start to seek his righteousness and for everything you do in your life, you're going to start to see a transformation and you'll start to see that transformation in everything that's happening. Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say that you may be transformed. It doesn't say you should be transformed. It says to be transformed. This is a promise. This is a promise from the Lord. If you don't conform to this world and you renew your mind, you will be transformed. (laughs) Jesus caller. Oh. You renew your mind in his word. You renew your mind through prayer. You renew your mind through standing firm and just walking in faith. The second part of this verse, it says that you may prove what is good, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the second promise in this verse. The first one is that you will be transformed when you renew your mind. The second one is that you're going to know God's plan for your life. You're going to know his will And it's not even that you're just going to know it. It's that you're going to prove it. You'll start to see his plan. You'll see his goodness and everything. And all my searching and every promise the Lord has ever spoken directly through me through the word. He's never let me down. And there's still some promises that I'm believing for from his word. And I know that it's going to happen because God said it was going to happen. Um... He's good, he's kind, he's faithful. His love, he is love, and he will never change. And I know that if it's a promise that came from his word, that it's going to happen because God will do it. Each day he's working in us and he's working through us. It may not be quite the way we thought, but it's, but it's happening. He's transforming us into his image from glory to ever-increasing glory until one day his full glory will be revealed to us. Even Moses didn't get to see his full glory when he asked. God put him behind a rock, and he passed by and let him see his hinder parts, as some people would say. I think that's what the Bible actually says, too. (laughs) Oh, I know, his, his hinder parts. (laughs) Moses' face literally glowed from this interaction with God, from this time he spent with the Lord, to the point where when Moses came down off that mountain, he had to put a veil over his face when he talked to the people because they were afraid. But we no longer have a veil that covers our face. We no longer have an obscure view of who God is. We have nothing stopping us from fully knowing him besides ourselves, our own stinking thinking, as Tim and Jason say. What? Okay, I'm good. 
I got a whole bunch of time left. I'm going to be stunned quickly. <laughs> we know. I'm just like, it's weird when I'm like, that's all I got. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man, I can stand here and I can boldly tell you that beyond a shadow of a doubt, no matter what it is that you face in life, no matter what trial you're going through, no matter how hopeless it seems, that... Hold on, I want to make sure I get this right. You'll find it in his word when you seek him first. It's a promise that you can count on because man will let you down. Husbands will let down their wives. Wives will let down their husbands. Parents will let down their children. Children will let down their parents. And people in the church will let you down too. It's never going to be intentional. Well, mostly. Maybe some of it is because it comes from man, but... It may not be intentional, but there's one thing that will never let you down. God will never let you down, ever. And I can tell you that is 100% the truth, and it will always be the truth. And so as I get ready to close this out, I'm thinking that, you know, maybe something I said today got you thinking about a promise that you're waiting for from the Lord, or maybe you started to think about your own marriage or your own relationship or your own parenting style, and, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe you're feeling this drawing to be in the Word or to seek it out for yourself, and I'm here to tell you that's the Holy Spirit. If you're feeling something stirring inside, if you're feeling something calling you to spend time in His Word and seeking His promise says it's the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you to seek that, seek God in that area of your life. He's encouraging you and he's leading you to seek God for that promise. He's enabling us to love, to lead, to forgive, and to live our lives for Christ. Paul says, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. That's Galatians 2.20. I stand up here today and I say all this to tell you like I'm I'm far from perfect. I'm still walking this out. I'm still learning who God is every single day. Um, but everything I do and everything I, I try to do, and I say everything, but like I said before, I don't always, I don't always get it right. But I do try to consider the Lord. I do try to put him first. Um, but each day I make the choice to pursue him. I leave behind the old things because those things have passed away. I leave behind yesterday because we don't worry about what happened yesterday. JD told us this morning his mercies are new every morning. So don't worry about what happened. Just accept that his mercies are new every morning. There's nothing you're going to do to earn it. There's nothing that you're going to do to deserve it. It's just who he is and that's what he gives. Knowing the Lord has been the greatest pleasure of this life, and it's going to be an even greater pleasure in the life to come. And if you don't know the Lord, if you're not following him, I mean, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Just, I don't know what else to say. What are you waiting for? Um, God, he's so good. He loves us so much. He wants to be involved in everything you do. He knows it all. You don't have to like you don't have to be scared that he doesn't know. He already knows what's happening. He already knows what's going to happen. He's already know what happened. He knows the things that nobody else knows about you. But he still wants you to come to him and acknowledge him and put him at the center of it because with him at the center of it, he can take everything and he can make it what he's designed it to be.
it looks different for everybody, um, what he's designed, because he's designed us all to be different. But the part that doesn't change is that when he's at the center of it, when he's put first, then it will be what he has in, plan- in store for you. Okay. So, Lord, we just love you. God, I just, I worship you. I thank you so much for this life that we get to live. God, I thank you that you're the giver of life and you give it abundantly. God, I thank you that there's no area in my life that you can't come in and transform. God, I just thank you that that you're doing it, that you're doing it, you're working in all the places that we may not see you working, but you're there and you're working in it. And I know this because you said you're there, God. I know this because you're faithful and that's who you are and that's what you do. God, I thank you for restoration. God, I thank you for strengthening marriages. God, I thank you for strengthening us as parents to, to raise disciples so that our children can can be the ceiling, right? Floor, ceiling? Okay, yeah. So my ceiling can be my child's floor, that they can exceed our walk with the Lord. And God, I just thank you for, for their walk. God, I thank you for, for a church that can come together and we can speak your truth and we can build each other up and we can, we can edify one another. God, I thank you that, that you come and you give these gifts and you give these things to us for the equipping of the saints for the ministry so that we can go to the world and we can proclaim this is who Jesus is and we can make you known. God, we just love you. We just worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.